Spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead. G'day, mates. Today we continue our Bonza series of special guest stars this Arvo. Today's brilliant guest star is my old cobber Mike's sister, Val. G'day, Val. G'day. And she's chosen a butte film from down under, Baz Luhrmann's Strictly Ballroom. Crikey, Stone the Crows, Fosters. And now I'll stop with a bad accent. Stone so, yes, the Crows? Stone the, actually, often it's Stone the Flaming Crows. Oh, well, that makes more, huh? I, I, tried to get a, <laughs> I actually tried to get an Aussie to explain that to me, and he couldn't. The only thing I know about like Aussie slang is that if you're somewhere where there might be Aussies, mm. if you go Aussie, 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 they will oi, respond, oi, 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 yeah. So. <laughs> I'm funny. I dated one once, and I don't remember that, but okay. A flaming crow? Did you, did you no. Oi, oi, oi. No, I may probably not. Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, so let's see. Plot? Hey, what is this? This is part of our series, isn't it? Oh, yes. I'm sorry. This is our part of our series and spe- with special guest star, dot, dot, dot. In fact, this is the final entry therein. Val, you hold the coveted final entry place. Ooh. Take a moment to appreciate the honor. And we're done. <laughs> <laughs> got any business you want to get taken care of? I do there? indeed. We got to take care of some business. Uh, you can, as always, find our entire back catalog at maxmikemovies.com. You can uh, listen to our podcast on your favorite podcast app, provided your favorite is the Google Podcast app or the Apple iPod, uh, Podcast app. And why wouldn't they be your favorites? Ra, ra, ra. Yep. You can also find us on the social media that all the kids are into or were into and now are onto something else that probably will never see us. Uh, we're on Twitter and Facebook, both as Max Mike Movies. Easy to remember. Because one of us is Max, one of us is Mike, and one of us is movies? Crap. No, it's intelligent emoji. <laughs> ah, correct. <laughs> uh, just so you know, don't adjust your sets. We broke Mac this, Max this week, and uh, we'll be replacing him next week with a brand new Max. That's right. They'll uh, just uh, cryogenically unfreeze one of my clones. I'm afraid I have a cold. That's why I basically sound like I've been gra- gargling hot asphalt. Or I sound like Tom Waits. Same thing, really. Let's blame it on Ned, shall we? Let's blame Ned. Who's Ned? Our, our uh, last guest. Oh. <laughs> the show. So, yes, this is Baz Luhrmann's first movie, and the first in his Red Curtain trilogy, along with William Shakespeare's Romeo plus Juliet, which equals, I'm not sure, he never finished the equation, and, of course, Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge. Sadly, this is the only one of those three that did not get nominated for an Oscar. And in my opinion, should have been. Mm, well, we will certainly get to that. Don't give anything away. Oh, plot. no. <laughs> we don't know if you like this movie or not. That's right. Come on. That's not really a surprise in this series. The people chose the movies usually because they like them. So far, nobody has chosen one because they hated it. Good. Of course, this could be the one ch- time they do. It could. You never know. Surprisebus, surprisebus. Exactly. So the plot, it goeth thusly. Scott Hastings, pulled by the, played by the very yummy Paul Mercurio. <laughs> <coughs> hey, even I think he's cute. Wow, you make me uncomfortable. 
is a championship ballroom dancer with everything going for him. He's in line to win Australia's biggest ballroom competition. That is a thing, by the way. The Pan Pacific Grand Prix, if he can find the right partner. Unfortunately, as far as his parents and the ballroom establishment are concerned, yes, there is a ballroom establishment. Oh, yes. Scott is a bit of a maverick, a rogue cop on the edge, who insists on dancing his own original steps. What do you do when you're maverick and you dance like a man? <laughs> wow, that you, you got everything <laughs> wrong. Okay. <laughs> uh, rather than, shoot, than dance the carefully selected and curated official steps of the Australian Ballroom Confederation. Scott finds an unlikely partner in the frumpy until she does something with her hair and takes off her glasses newcomer, Fran. The classic, I have to say, they got this is sort of the classic Hollywood, the unattractive girl who becomes attractive as soon as she takes off her glasses. And uses and, the apricot scrub. And uses the apricot scrub. And the, and the buff puff. Yep. Uh, together, they defy the unbridled might of the ballroom confederation. The stakes couldn't be higher. Ooh, and of course, this movie gave, gave rise to the famous catchphrase, you think that's a step? That's not a step. This is a step. That's not the line. I'm sure it is. No, it is not even close. <laughs> oh, it it had all the kids chanting, "No new, new steps." steps. <laughs> <laughs> there are no new steps. Yes, there are no rule six rule. Yes. So that's our so, plot. Yes, that's our plot. And then I have trivialities. You do? I do. Believe it or not, there's no, actually some a lot of them. Stuff. Oh yeah, there's quite a few. The first dance scene you see is actually, which is the big finale at the dance competition, was filmed at a real dance competition during a one-hour lunch break. <laughs> so I guess the audience said, "It was like, okay, we're going to do another, we're going to do a whole lot more dancing, but you don't have to pay attention." Uh, Tara Maurice, who plays Fran, was almost not cast as Fran, even though she played the character in the stage version. There was a stage version because the financial backers were reluctant to cast a non-dancer in the role. Oh. Right. Also, I want to jump in right here, Max. Sure. One of the things I loved about the fact that they did a play was it was an improvised play. Oh, really? The whole th- yes, yes, actually, I saw that in the trivia. It began as an improvised play featuring Baz Luhrmann himself. Right. As? As the main character. Mm-hmm. As Baz Luhrmann actually participated in the sorts of ballroom dancing competitions we see in the movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, what do you know? But uh, Tara Maurice also uh, the, the uh, starts out the movie with really bad skin. They had to paint the pimples on her face because her skin was just too good. You can tell that later. It's like she doesn't even have scars. There's nothing. There's nothing. <laughs> like, did they yeah. sanded her face? What did they yeah, do? Magical, magical pimple remover. Also, hey, so, so in case you wondered, if you wanted acne and never could get any, Hollywood <laughs> can fill that in for you. An important need. Uh, she also, Fran also sings the lyrics, the female part of the cover version of Time After Time in the movie. Hmm. Uh, this movie received a 15-minute standing ovation when it played at the Cannes Film Festival, and an agent from Rank Films grabbed it for a million pounds cash right on the spot. Gimme, 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 gimme. Yeah, the movie made three million Australian dollars, which oh, is 50 cents. It's about $16 American. No, it's about two million American, and it made the worldwide about 11 million. So it was a success. It just was not huge. Did you a know lot, what the budget was? 
And the budget, yeah, the budget was three million Australian dollars, which is actually about two million American dollars. Oh, I thought you said that it made that much in Australia. No, 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 no. Oh, that was the budget. Yeah. And my uh, mom is responsible for a great deal of that money yeah. that came in. She actually saw it nineteen times in the movie theater. Yeah. But that's not all, because when it came out, this is 1992, so mm-hmm. when movies came out, they only came out on VHS. For those of you who don't know what VHS is, <laughs> anyway, when, yeah. when movies used to come out, they were really only meant to be sold to video rental houses. Mm-hmm. So the initial price for any movie coming out on video was over $100, because they didn't expect anybody but rental houses to buy it. Uh, they did not expect my mother. My mother, as soon as it was possible, bought her hundred and plus dollar copy wow. and had no problem with it and wouldn't hear anything about anybody saying, why did you do that? That's dedication. And a friend of ours, Max and and and, and I, uh, Libby, who accompanied her on her 19 visits to the theater, Oof. went on another six of her own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yep. I, I actually went at least once with mom for that. Yeah. When I was Aww. out visiting. So, oh, if you were near my mother at that point in time, you were not allowed not to see that movie. That's true. I'm pretty sure, I, sure, even after seeing it in the theater, I saw it at your mother's house on video. <laughs> if, you were, if you were ever within range. Yeah. Yep. Suddenly this arm comes out the window, drags me in going, we're watching, we're watching Strictly Ballroom. Sit down. Yep. I'm sorry. Who are Please you? Go on with your trivia. Oh, yes. Paul Mercurio, by the way, was a dancer, not an actor, but uh, he wasn't exactly a ballroom dancer. He was a ballet dancer. You could tell. Yeah, after landing the role, he had to attend a six-week intensive, and I didn't know this was a thing, ballroom dancing boot camp to learn the choreography. Hmm. I suppose it would be ballroom dancing slipper camp. But uh, he also, he almost didn't get the part because, um, well, Scott is supposed to be 18. Ah. And Paul Mercurio was 28. Well, there you go. Now, I have to say, I'm going to interject right here. I had a problem with that thought because – Timeline-wise, it didn't make any sense. You mean how young his siblings are? Well, not only that, but the fact that they, his parents were ballroom champs in 67 and this is 92, that doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. <laughs> yeah, well, 25 years later. Yeah. Well, so they, that would mean, of course, that have- he was born before they were champions. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but we don't know that. We don't know he's 28. He's no, 20. He's supposed to be 18. But, ah. even, but even at 18, it doesn't make any sense. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, well, what? <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't look too closely at the details in a Baz Luhrmann movie. That's true. We're, we're not here for the, realist, the realism. Also, he danced that final sequence with a sprained ankle. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, the most expensive costume in the whole show was the jacket he wore during the grand finale, that gold Toreador jacket. It took over six weeks to make, and uh, some of the ornaments and the shoes had to be brought in from Spain. Speaking of which, Antonio Vargas, who plays Fran's father, the guy who teaches him basically to do the pasadoble, <laughs> is a master flamenco dancer. He wasn't an actor. All no, he, has, cost- he has four credits, that's it. Yeah. Everything he wears, by the way, was his own clothes. Uh, and one final thing, Barry Otto who plays Doug, Scott's father, is the father of Miranda Otto, better known to some of us as Eowyn from Lord of the Rings. Oh, Mm -hmm. interesting. Most of these people we don't know in the States. They are huge, or a lot of them are huge, on Australian television and some Australian movies. Well, we know the guy who played Barry Fife. He was in Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Yes. In a very different role. 
Yes, a role that will surprise you. I think he was Bob. I guess his name was Bob. That sounds right. So that's pretty much all the trivia I've got. Val, do you have any trivia you happen to know? Yeah, anything like I leave to? out? Um, not that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, no cheating. I well, the the one thing you did miss was the fact that uh, Pat Thompson, who plays Scott's mother, died before the movie came out. Oh, I did miss. That. I knew oh, that. I by thought the- it was. I thought it was the grandmother who died. No, 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 no. It was it was the mother. Oh wow! Was, Shirley Hastings is the one who died yeah. before the movie came off, which is really sad. Do you know yeah. what she died of? No, I couldn't find anything about that. Huh? Hmm. She certainly doesn't give any impression of having like lowered energy or anything. I mean, she nope. doesn't see her help. happy face on. Yes, she did. <laughs> oh, here's another thing. You hear about product placement all the time, right? Oh and dear usually, God! You know they're they're paying the movie to put their product in their movie. Oh yeah. Well, in the this particular in this particular place, the the Coke billboard on the roof of this dance studio, the movie had to pay for to get into the movie, which was like what? But oh, yeah. yeah, very odd. It doesn't even look like an official Coke sign. It's made with sequins. Well, I, I don't know if you guys have sparklets out there, but all of the trucks do the same thing out here. They actually have those paylets on the on the side of the truck so it sparkles as it drives by. We have do we have what? Uh what are they called? It's water sparkless water. Um they bring it no. All right. So out here in the West Coast, because you know I'm different. Um yes, we know. And you live on the West Coast. And anyway, we have this company called Sparklets. It's like Poland Springs. Oh, okay. Come to you straight from Maine. You can get, you know, the the five gallon jugs that you you know you bring to your house and stick in the machine and so you can pour water when you need it. Sure. So ours is sparklets and the side of the they have these little palettes. They're little round, like big sequins the size of quarters behind the logo of, of the oh, uh, wow. sparklets on the truck and they sparkle. Never seen that. Huh. Yeah. Well, so. I guess if we're done with trivia, <laughs> we can talk about the movie. Yay! <laughs> So it I'd also like just to- gives me a point where I can edit in the little themey thing. So it's self-serving. <laughs> the lowdown. Well, I just like to ask the obvious question we ask all our guests right off. Why did you choose this particular movie, Val? I chose this movie because well, there were a few reasons. One, it is very special to my family and my brother mm. being part of my family. You know, kind of made sense. Yeah, last time I heard. Oh. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's been a while since I checked, but I believe so, yeah. Um, se- second of all, um, I'm actually, um, for those who don't know, I know you guys know, but for those who don't know, I do a lot of improv, long-form genre and narrative-specific. And right now I'm in... Uh, rehearsals for rom-com and this is one of the movies i watched rom-com and looking back at i'm going yeah this movie this is the one we're going to do so um i if i the other reason i could would give away the end of whether i lot i liked it (laughs) but to me this is a perfect movie for a whole lot of reasons oh okay we'll get to that too mike you got a question yeah what the hell's wrong with you (laughs) Sorry, that's for a different show. Help, it's right here. Um, How many times have you seen it? Can you guess? Uh, At least 20. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think I'm only. It is one of those films. 
you just if it's a film that you like, you're going to end up watching it every so often just mm-hmm. to revisit your friends in Australia. <laughs> right. Um, it's frightening to think how long ago it was now. It's 27 years ago. Yikes. Um, yeah. It, yeah, it doesn't age. I know that the costumes in ballroom dancing have changed dramatically since then, but in As a way we they haven't. Know. I hope for the better. <laughs> not not necessarily if you've watched Ooh. any dance sport, but um, ah. yeah. Yeah. Um, not quite so many rhinestones. Huh. But um, other than that, but the story it tells is ageless. And, you know, mm. to me, that's what's important. Yeah. Would you say that it's a tale as old as time? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Whoever sees him next has to smack him. Good good (laughs) idea. Good idea. For those Uh, of you who don't know, I'm a little brother. Short and (laughs) proud. Here's my handle. Here's my spout. (laughs) And And spout never stops. So many ways. Yes. Yeah. The only way you're not a little brother is that you're taller than me. (laughs) Have either of you ever run into anyone who doesn't like this movie? No. (laughs) No, but I I don't. Well, uh, you know what? Tyler probably doesn't care much for it. Well, it's it's kind of a musical. He doesn't like musicals. He doesn't like romantic comedies. Uh, Um, If things don't blow up every like 10 minutes, he gets bored. (laughs) (laughs) I did. I did make my. rom-com teacher slash director watch it and she was completely enchanted it is a movie that it was easy to miss because when we when it came out we mom used to go see it at a at a local art house slash foreign film house uh the west newton that was that was where she saw it all the time but it was not in any way a mainstream film Nope. Really, just not. I'm betting if you weren't in in a bigger city, you probably never even heard of this film. I don't think it got into the big theaters either. No, no. I think it was definitely a a art house sort of thing. Mm. Uh, I was trying to watch it a little bit more studiously because it's mm. one of those films you just sort of sit down and and eat popcorn and enjoy. You don't really, you know, look into it too much. One of the things that I remember as a detail, but didn't realize how quickly they they got rid of was the idea that this was supposed to be a documentary. Oh, yeah. Because they start off as if they're interviewing. There are interviews, yeah, and then that just disappears. It lasts about 10 minutes, and then they Mm -hmm. just sort of let it go away, and they never come back to that. Well, I liked it not in terms of like a documentary. I thought the idea that Scott was introducing his own steps was so shocking, it became a news story. (laughs) Well, That's That's how I took it. Well, for like, you know, the Dance Federation newsletter, you know. Yeah. Wasn't... <laughs> I mean, that's part of the humor of the movie is how deadly serious people right. take this sport. Or yeah, my theater. note was, you can totally believe the ridiculousness. Let me um, just kind of interject here. And to that point, the way I, and watching the movie again, I think what that was all about was Barry Fife keeping control of things because mm-hmm. if he didn't have control of things, then he didn't have a job. He wasn't in power. And by taking, taking it on himself, you know, Scott taking on the steps himself, he was taking the power out of Barry Fife and he would no longer have this regime uh, over the dance world. Sure. That's, that's the central conflict of the movie really. Right. Yeah, but I actually noticed a little step further. Um, It's actually something that Fran says about halfway through the film when she's watching 
I think it's Nathan, Nathan Starkey and Tina Spackle um, <laughs> with great names. And she says, <laughs> I could never do that. And I think that that's actually the key to Barry Fife is the reason that he machinated all of this is that he wasn't that good a dancer, but he was better than some, but not as good as Les or uh, Doug and Shirley. Mm-hmm. So he manages to get them out of the way. And by sheer, I don't know, mediocrity yeah manages to keep his position because he says well i'm in charge so we're only going to teach the steps i myself can do so one of the other things about scott and i'm sorry um yeah scott and fran coming out and dancing in that amazing style is that he could never hope to do those things and he couldn't hope to do them back when he was younger Hmm. and had dark hair (laughs) actually i think i'm gonna i'm gonna disagree with you there because um like I said, being hip deep in the rom-com genre right now, um, what I saw in that particular thing was actually in, in the, in the movie as a whole, it, to me, the, the central theme was passion versus correctness. And what we had there was, um, we had Fran looking at somebody who was so beautiful and so perfect and so poised, but she's so real. And she mm-hmm. could never be the plastic perfect thing. And that which is true. She couldn't mm-hmm. be. Th- that's not her. But what she is is so much more important than being that. And at that very moment is when Scott realized that. And that's a that is such a great scene. That's when they're watching Tina dance and the, they're said playing perhaps, perhaps, yes. perhaps. And Scott and Fran begin dancing just by themselves. And you contrast it to Tina and what's his name? Nathan Starkey. I'm sorry, he has no lines. I don't remember him. I mean, Tina only has like two lines. She exists more of as an, an idea than a person. But you know, they're just technically perfect, but there's no passion and there's no warmth or humanity to the way they dance and when scott and fran are dancing it's just gorgeous it's not as perfect but it's so it's so romantic and so human yeah. and the fun, it's the funny beautiful. thing is that fran tells him that in the very beginning of the film where she goes to talk to him mm-hmm. and she says if you dance your steps and feel it from the heart which is what they end up doing although quite honestly scott needs a little help because he is kind of all over the place because he doesn't actually know how to do Latin dancing. But he's sure he does. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, uh, he, I love that, that scene where he's, he's gone back to Fran's family's mm-hmm. place and he thinks he can, uh, you know, pull a, the wool over their eyes and stuff. And it's like, ah, oh, pasta. I, I know the word pasta and I bet they know that because they seem to be Spanish speaking. So I'll do this fake pasta doble. Oh, thing I, and- I don't think he's trying to pull the wool over their eyes. I think he's genuinely trying to impress them. He's trying to show off. Yeah, yeah. He's trying to show up because I don't know if you guys know this, but this is something I learned years ago. There is a, um, a lot of Spaniards in Australia. I, did I not only know knew that, that because I only knew that because of this movie. Because I thought, wait a minute, what? Why is this family here speaking Spanish? Why are they very clearly from Spain? Yeah, the, and the, they're in the outback. What the hell? You know, Paul. Mm. There's a lot of Spaniards in Australia. I did not know that, Dave. You know, mm. <laughs> that was our I mean, terrible David Letterman. And yep, yeah. <laughs> I I was curious about this. Is what uh, Antonio Vargas and in fact what they're teaching them is flamenco dancing. Right. But that is, do you do flamenco in ballroom dance? You can. Okay. 
Well, they um, they call it Latin, right? And it's like, okay, right. so you're thinking yeah. more like e rumbus. Because <laughs> they're talking more like rumba, samba, those things. Not well, not, but very, not very, very milked down mm. versions of those things. Mm. But but again, here, here's where th- this is where my my passion versus correctness comes in because mm. flamenco is so passionate, the, yeah. and the fire in Antonio Vargas's eyes as he's dancing is like, yep. That's that's what we're going for right here. This I, is what I, this is. I love that whole sequence where you know uh, Scott and Fran are dancing, and all of them start laughing at them, and yeah. and Scott gets so pissed off, and then Vargas stands up. Or excuse me, Rico is the character. Yeah, and when he strikes the pose. It's like, okay, he's so much better than Scott. Just striking the pose, yeah. he's won any possible competition. Because this guy is amazing. Yeah. yeah. His one body. Thing, he's like a little force of nature is what he is. You oh, know, God. It's like he's barely little. tethered to the ground. Yeah. Even the grandmother's better than Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I, I and like, then, don't be scared. T- taking your shirt off. Going, hmm, nice body. <laughs> Yeah, the look on Tara Maurice's face was just like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it's odd, though. I really love that sequence. I like the whole thing with uh, with Fran's family, except sometimes it kind of feels like it's from another movie. It's like something in the movie jumps track because we have, I mean, maybe it's just for the contrast because the contrast between her family and Scott's family is so staggering. Right. Scott's that, family, yeah. that, I, I think that, that, again, drives into... Scott is really from those people. Scott mm-hmm. wants to be of those people. He does not want to be of his family, but Doug also wants to be of those people. Yeah. He, he has that same thing, but he's been driven down by his wife and, and his friends and probably society as all the every, whole uh, confederation. Everybody. Right. And, you know, and him being a bit of a Casper Milko toast, you know, he's, he's, you know, kind of withdrawn into the background that he still adores Shirley is like, what are you thinking, dude? Well, because you know, he even says he, he it's, it's forever. And he made that pledge. He meant it. Right. Even if he doesn't necessarily love her as much as he used to. He oh, he still, still adores it. her. Look at the end of the movie. When he asked her to dance, he still adores her. Well, that's because he like, finally got her back when she was no longer under the strings of mm. Federation right. President Barry Five. <laughs> this this does bring me to the most unrealistic part of this entire movie. Oh, and this ought one, to be good. This <laughs> this is the part. Well, yeah, the whole thing is a fairy tale. Let's face it; it really it is. is. But um, the part that gets me is okay. She's treating him like crap. She's been treating him like crap since 1967, and yet not only do they have one kid who's of you know adult age, who's this little girl? It's like and the boy. They have three no, children. No, 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 no. no. The Luke boy, is not a bar- yeah. Oh, he is. I thought he was their son. No, no, no. Okay. No, no. He's, he keeps calling her Mrs. Hastings. Right, so right. he wouldn't call her mom. So, like, did they adopt her? How does she fit in? Because it's <laughs> like, know. oh, my God. Those two got together again? I'm not buying that one. I, I like her. I mean, the little girl's great. She's like the yeah. voice of truth in the movie. A little she, musicality, please. She has no body flight. Oh, God. And they're all... And the thing is, you notice... Everyone looks at her like they're waiting for her opinion. Yeah. It's and it's and no one acts like, oh, what are you talking about? It's like, hmm, yeah, yeah, she called it. You know, uh, 
I don't know if I'd consider that the most unrealistic part of the movie. Perhaps one of the more unrealistic parts of the movie is when uh, Scott says to Liz, like, you don't know what you want. You know what I want? I want Ken Rylings to walk in here right now and say, Pam Short broke both her legs and I want to dance with you. And then we see the accident where... Pam Short breaks her legs. Ken Rylings walks into the studio and says, Pam Short broke, broke both her legs. I want to dance with you. And the little like, girl goes, well, that was unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sure. And then it's the same thing like when uh, at near the end when uh, Mrs. Hastings is yelling, nothing terrible will happen. And at the, that exact moment, Liz comes in screaming. Yeah. And boy, she's a good screecher, isn't oh, she? My oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nailed on chalkboard. yeah that was you know honestly that was one to me one of the more unrealistic things why does she change her tune at the end why does she you know replug the music in and stand with the kids because she felt the passion max yeah Yeah, i guess that's the idea action shush she knows that scott is the most the best chance she has of winning pan pacifics and after he's had this whole thing with barry fife and talk about unrealistic scenes. How about that dream sequence? Um, <laughs> oh yeah, you're just saying that because of the wigs. Well, they actually, and this is a, a bit of trivia we we didn't get in earlier. Um, they were going to do that realistically, and they didn't have yeah. the money or the time for it, so they had to do it that way. I was like, wait, I think that cool? actually makes it work better. Yeah, it, does. Because, it, adds, it adds to the fairy tale. Yeah, and I think it also gives a little undercurrent of maybe this isn't true, right? I think you're lying, Grandpa. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But so after that, he's totally tamed, and he's like, "Oh my God, my dad's done the, this whole thing. Okay, I have to do this for my dad." Mm-hmm. So completely misunderstanding. So now he's tamed again, and she'll take the tame Scott. She, but you know, the guy who wants to do his own thing, she won't have anything to do with. Mm. What do you think of the Val? What do you think of the music? The actual music they use in this uh, movie? Oh my God, I love it. I love everything. <laughs> Every little bit of it fits it so well. I mean, when, um, you know, they've got the whole um, time after time thingy going on. Mm. And and they use it in two different spots. They use it for the tryouts and they use it while they're dancing. Yep. You know, and every time I hear perhaps, 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 it's like, oh, my God, that's just amazing. They use such odd songs, though. Like the first song, okay, in the first sequence, it's the Blue Danube, which is smart because that's a waltz everyone knows. Well, not only that, but that's that's to help show you that they're doing the waltz portion of the competition. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that that makes sense. It was like, okay, here we are. This is as constrained as we get because waltzing is even more with the steps. You know, you have to be perfect with the steps to get judged correctly, even more than the Latin. Mm-hmm. And that's true even today. And the um, first samba, the music is tequila. Well, that just is like, no, it is. If you listen, well, you can hear a voice doing tequila. Yeah, but it's it's the most. It's a very toned down version, but it's white. still, it's tequila. Kinda. <laughs> if and you squint real hard. <laughs> at one point, they're dancing to Danny Boy. But as long as it fits the, but they, that's that's adds to the whole fakeness of the whole thing, yeah, right? Because they're taking yeah. these songs and they're forcing them into this uh, this form that will work for their ballroom dance. Right, like they're draining they're, them of any sense of improvisation or interest. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> kind of like what they're doing with ballroom dancing, really. I do agree, Val. That almost all the songs are great. The only I have trouble with one. And that's the last song. That cheesy Tom Jones love is in the air. 
Okay, it's Paul Davis, I think, but okay. But it wasn't it Tom Jones who wrote it? I don't did he? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure. He was I'm gonna agree with Max on that one. It's it is kind of like, oh, this is the best you could do. Like what happened? I mean, all your choices up till now were great. Why that? That one is so obvious and heavy-handed, and I don't particularly like the rendition. Yeah. It's just they did such great music all the way up to that. Uh, this it felt that song it felt out of place. Just to maybe maybe it's just us, but yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. And I I noticed that somebody and you know when I looked up and you know researching the comments and things and somebody said the music that he danced to in the dream sequence was written after 1967. I was like, I don't care. Oh, yeah, yeah. Doesn't that matter. adds to adds to the falseness of the dream. So yeah. you know, and the timelessness of the movie. Right. I meant to do that, and my name is Baz Luhrmann. <laughs> I, think you, I think you mean, oh, I meant to do that because my name's Baz Luhrmann, eh? I would never flawless, do that. Flawless Australian accent. Oh, yeah. Man, you <laughs> had me um, going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, have a, I have a question here. So, Val, this is the uh, the first film of a supposed Red Curtain trilogy. Have you seen the other two? I'm mm. betting you've seen one of them. I'm not sure if you've seen the other. Um, I have actually seen both of them. Mm. Okay. And what are your opinions? Do you think that there's a common thread through that? Well, the dreamness, dreaminess of it. Yes. Mm. But other than that, I was not a fan of Moulin Rouge. <gasps> I yes. know. Be gone. I, I, I should I, get I, another I sister. You are fired, <laughs> fired, fired. Um, I, w- I just, I, That's Romeo and Juliet is okay. Um, it was it was okay, <laughs> but yeah, I'm just not not that big of. I thought he went too far into the absurd for me mm. in Moulin Rouge. That that's uh-huh. just me. Um, like he tried too hard. That's just me. But um, and he's on that edge with Romeo and Juliet. But you know, I grew up with Franco Zaffirelli's Romeo and Juliet, which to me is perfect. So it's hard for me to look at any other Romeo and Juliet and go, ah. That's hard to live up to. Yeah, yeah my sister's right. It's just her. Um, <laughs> I take now, it you liked Moulin Rouge? I adore Moulin Rouge because it's so over the top and crazy and wonderful. And they've got people that you're like, those people don't sing. And it turns out they do. Um, I love that it's using, I, it's, it's a jukebox musical. I don't know if that's Max's term or not, but we've used mm-hmm. that before. No, no, it's somebody else. It's Max's. I give it to you now. It's yours. <laughs> um, I, I liked Romeo and Juliet until I rewatched the Franco Zeffirelli. Max and I were talking about this mm-hmm. recently and it's like, I watched it and it's like, you know, I don't generally like Leo. He's fine. I kind of like the idea of the gangs and even the TV announcer as being the narrator. It's like, hey, this is very up to date. I get it. And then I watched Franco Zeffirelli and it's like, oh, yeah, oh, right. Like, it's really cool when your actors actually understand what they're saying. Right. Because, <laughs> yeah. The, the, the Baz Luhrmann one, I realized the actors memorize their lines. They just don't know what they mean. Yeah, and it's it's kind of blatantly obvious if you watch them anywhere near each other. Um, I, I love Merlon Rouge. I can vaguely see. I guess there's red curtains in all three of them. Yes, <laughs> there are. There are. If you look at the beginnings, there are red curtains in all three of them. But yeah. I think the other thing I like so much about Moulin Rouge is that visually it was a musical you couldn't do on stage. Mm. Like this has to be done with all of this crazy stuff in a, in a film because that's the medium it was meant for. And then the year after that, we got Chicago, which I hated because it looked like they filmed a stage play. And I was like, really, that's the best you can do. Let's do something interesting. 
And I like Chicago better than Moulin Rouge. But Well, so my sister, once again, is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but she's used to it, so it's okay. Uh, by, by the way, just to throw <laughs> this in, if you want to see a modern version of a Shakespeare play that is excellent, one of my very favorite movies is Joss Whedon's Much Ado About Nothing. That is very good. I don't know if I would call it one of the best, but I think it's very well done. I it's it's to me it's amazing to watch Amy Ackerman, who I think of as the evil bitch. Can you say that word? On you um, can now. <laughs> the evil, not nice lady on um <laughs> on um what was that show? Um, Angels. Pers- person of interest. No oh, person of interest. Okay. Yeah, she she played a very not nice person on Person of Interest, and to see her like at the same doing this, it's like whoa yeah she was so good did uh you happen to see baz Luhrmann's last big film which was uh great gatsby i did not see i actually max did you see it i did and i have to say it was neither i did not find it either great or gatsby me either mm-hmm. uh, i actually was very disappointed because i thought wow baz Luhrmann, this ought to be fun mm-hmm. in fact i think the preview had some hip-hop in it Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, he's going to do kind of a hip hop great. That'd be awesome. I'd love to see that. I don't know the story, but this could be a lot of fun. And it was dull. Oh, yeah. Baz it's Lerman, for, I've forgotten most of it. Yeah. Baz Luhrmann became dull. Oh, mm-hmm. that's now hardly. he's working. He's working on unnamed Elvis Presley project. Oh, no. Yeah. Hey, he could make that work. Maybe. Maybe. Right. Sure. Who knows? Mm. Elvis Presley of outer space. So Val, you've actually answered sort of another question. Uh, you you do like other you do like uh, movie musicals in general. Um, some of them I do. Some of them, mm. I mean, do not ever show me Seven Brides or Seven Brothers. <laughs> the uh, idea is just weird. Uh, yeah. Oh, it, and it's just badly done. It's just so over the top. It's just like I'm in your face singing now. <laughs> no, no, don't do that. Ooh, God, no. Yeah, I but, felt that way about the movie of Little Abner because Little Abner actually has some decent music in it, but the movie is awful. There's a movie of Little Abner. There yeah. is. Ooh, yeah. There's a musical. There is. The musical I knew about. I didn't know they'd turn it into a movie. Little Abner, for people who don't know, was a very popular comic strip in the newspapers. I believe it Uh, ran for over 3,000 years. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Until Al Cap died. Um, I did not know that. I did not know that. But yeah, give me, give me, give me a Rodgers and Hammerstein. Give me, uh, you know, a Rodgers and Hart. Any, any mm -hmm. of those kind of musical movies. Yes, I do love those. Um, I even like La La Land. I did. Okay. I I didn't. I didn't adore it, but I liked it. I appreciated that they tried to do a musical in the modern time. I thought it was tolerable. Yeah. (laughs) But like I said, I thought the opening sequence was awesome. The opening sequence is the best thing in the movie. If they kept up that energy in the rest of the movie, it would be an amazing movie. And that imagination. Who who would come up with, we're going to do a big Busby Berkeley style musical in a traffic jam on the 405. Exactly. That was that was really imaginative and really clever, and they used it all up. Yeah. Well, the nice thing about doing that is you know that you won't have to worry about the traffic because it doesn't move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah My sister sure you... lives near the 405 and takes it all the time. I well, when she needs God. to park somewhere. <laughs> uh, you know, actually, I just sort of pulled that out of the air. Val, it, was that the 405 in that movie? Uh, I think it was actually this freeway called the 105. Uh, I think they stopped it up for, as I remember, oh, okay. for the filming of the movie. The, the 105 is way, 
west of me. Um, mm. It actually links this what we call the South Bay to the airport. I thought west of you was the ocean. It was actually the the 105 was being built when they filmed Speed, and that was the if you see where the at the the yeah. freeway stops. Yep, that was the actual 105 is oh, being okay. built. So yeah, huh. must go fast over 50 fast. Hey, you're kind of cute. <laughs> yeah, you hey, got, Panty, you, Sluggo. <laughs> you, you you have to see him in Always Be My Maybe. Oh, my oh God, he's brilliant in that. I love Ooh. that. That Keanu, Keanu Reeves. Reeves. Where he plays Keanu Reeves. Okay. Yep. And he is he walks away with the movie. Yep. I I literally can't parse that sentence. He is hilarious. He just plays himself as such a jerk, as a classic Hollywood jerk, and he wallows in it. You can tell he's just having a blast. Yeah, that that restaurant scene. Oh my god. (laughs) Where they eat food. Oh Oh, no! Oh no! He shows up. He's wearing glasses, and you, yeah, you know these these don't even have any frames, any glass in them. I just wear. I just he basically just wears them to look smart. Yep. Does it work? No. No. Try more gum. That's that's Um, asking a lot from from glasses. Uh, Should we talk about strictly ballroom? Oh yeah. So would you would you put this film in say your top ten? Yes. Would you put it in your top five? Would you put it in your top three? Yeah. Wow. At high rank, of course, I'm, I'm screwing up the ending. She may still not like it, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that cat may be out of the bag. Um, so I, what I, other I, films would you include perhaps in your top ten? Boy, Just that, some. You don't have to put them in order or anything. Yeah. Uh, okay. You guys are going to think I'm nuts. Well, I just this is one of those movies that was like, I just like it. There is nothing particularly spectacular about it. Nobody's nobody got nominated for an Oscar or anything like that. But I love Twister. The one with the flying cow. Yep. Long pause. Um, like like okay. um, okay. and Bill Paxton and uh, yep. uh, what's her name from from Hel- uh, Paul Reiser show? Helen Hunt. Helen Hunt. Helen also, Hunt. Yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman and yes. Cameron Cameron from uh, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yep. Alan Ruck. Yeah, really. Alan Ruck's in it. Yeah. Yep. He's a okay. yep. Right. It's, for what it is, it's a very well done movie. It's kind of like it's almost like to me, like a, a Wizard of Oz. You can sit down. Well, and, there's there's a cyclone in it. Or or any one of the Bond movies. It's like if you need to sit down and watch a movie and just kind of escape for a while, there it is. And okay. you can sit there and escape hmm. in that movie and just okay. be happy with it. But yeah, for other favorite movies, sure. Um, to have and have not. Uh, okay, I mean that's you know will always be one of my favorite movies. I've actually used bits of it for monologues and things. Um, in Casablanca, I mean The Big Sleep. Uh, I tend to go with older movies. Um, like The Bogey and Bacall, huh? I do like The Bogey and mm. Bacall. What like I like my brother. What's up, Doc? Will always be in my top five. Uh, Air- yes. Airplane will always be in my top <laughs> five. You know, not zero hour. Uh no. But it's almost the same movie. You told me so. It's very much the same movie, <laughs> and it's Canadian. <laughs> oh my god, that movie is so bad. So it's um, international. Yeah. Hmm. I've heard of international pictures. Um, yeah, my uh, his girl Friday, uh, bringing a baby. Um, I'm more for the the madcap funny stuff. I just hmm. what I you know. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah. So, 
I, I just came to a halt. I just wanted to bring in one other thing from uh, Strictly Ballroom that I looked up. I was curious what the heck Pasa Doble is. Ah, the, the big thing, and I looked it up. It's it's actually got several layers to it, and one mm-hmm. it's a Spanish military march, a very fast paced one. And the music that they use is from bullfighting, which I I wondered because those jackets they wear look like like uh, matador jackets. The suit of lights. <laughs> yeah, now I've read two different things about Paso Doble in in ballroom dancing. Um, one being that the woman is the cape and the man is the bull, but I've also read that the man is the matador and using the woman as the cape, you know, as they uh-huh. flourish, and um, which makes more sense to me i it was kind of jarring to see rico bring his hands up like he's got horns so i'm like yeah ah. oh see i thought he was actually aiming with little swords that's what i thought that he was doing the matador swords or the uh, he could have been but even still in both cases the woman is the is the cape not the bull so it's like uh, okay whatever i mean it didn't matter because it ended up being so spectacular mm. um we I actually have- looked at oh go ahead we haven't talked about the the big catchphrase in the movie. There are no new steps. steps. No. What? Una vida vida vivida comiedo es una vida medio vivida. That's because no one can say it unless you're Spanish. I just actually read it off the page, but yeah, uh, life lived in fear is a life half laugh lived. Yeah, that's really one of. The, I think that's one of the central messages of the movie. Well, that's that's what interests um, Scott in her. That's what fascinates. Yeah. Uh, Scott with and Fran because and then that's what makes that whole relationship real because at first you're like he's gorgeous she's got zits and an oversized t-shirt and you know why would he even look at her twice but it was because she stood up to him yeah. and she told him how she felt and she brought out all this raw emotion that made him go oh my god who is this girl and that's why the that to me that's what made that movie realistic in that I wonder if that was the, if she was the one who made him realize how much his parents lived in fear. It could be because I mean, think the, eventually. Well, of course at the end when his dad said we were too afraid. Yeah. It's like, "Oh, light switch, let's go." And I I love that exchange when his mother is saying, "It was about survival." And he's and dad says, "It was about the dancing." Like and again, that's that's the other thing because it's not simply in this movie the idea of correct versus passion. It's seeing dance as something joyful and seeing it as a business. Right. I mean, Barry's making money off of this. He's selling his his videotapes. I was going to say DVDs, but come on, nineteen ninety two. Yeah, and everyone like they're worried about keeping you know no one will come to their studio and take lessons. That's how they make a living. If you know they aren't champions or or if they their son is this oddball, that's no, a big thing. And even the, the whole ending, the idea that they do this when they bring everyone, the audience, onto the floor to dance with them, the idea that no, this isn't just a spectator sport. This isn't something you're just supposed to pay money for. This is an act of physical joy, and everyone should do it. Doesn't matter how good you are. If I'm not mistaken, uh, Max is actually somewhat of a ballroom dancer. I am very, very little of a ballroom dancer. I've taken a couple of courses. Hey. Oh, good for hey. you. That's 15 more than I've taken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can do a basic waltz and a basic rumba, and uh, I can do swing steps, and most of the time not hurt myself. 
you are ahead of probably 95% of the male population. <laughs> I like I'm the, gonna, I like the waltz. I like the, I'm afraid I like the structure. I'm not brave enough to try the crazy stuff with tango and uh, the real wild stuff with rumba. I can't do waltz. It's in threes. <laughs> I always need a four. <laughs> poor, poor Libby tried to get me to dance once with her at a wedding, and it was one, two, three, four. No, sure. <laughs> one, two, three. God dang. Four. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, I want to actually backtrack just a sec. I'm going to actually disagree, Val, just a little bit. I don't think that when Fran in the beginning of the film stands up to Scott, that he gives her a chance because he sees something in her more than he doesn't know what to do. And he, he, she actually says, you said an hour. And actually he didn't. No, I know he didn't. Yeah. Uh, I probably I, get cut. Yeah. But I think that initially he gives her the chance because it's the only way he can think of to get her to calm down. That being said, all she needed was that chance. And she's a great character. She's actually one of my my notes because of the fact that she feels the weight of people's apathy towards her. She's in two different worlds. So her parents grew and her grandparents grew up in Spain. They moved here. She's grown up in Australia. So she's sort of caught in between. Um, she doesn't have any accent at all, although she's fluent in both languages. Right. She also lost her mother. So she has no, except her grandmother, she has no female character to aspire to or to confide in or anything. Which may have worked in her favor because having her dad as her main guiding force, it's like, uh oh, here comes the hurricane. Cripes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you do notice when they're at, with her family, the only wo- women are Fran and her grandmother, all the right. others are men. Yep. Yeah. So I, I think that she is feeling the weight of being thought odd in both worlds of not really fitting in here, although it's something that she loves. And she doesn't even let anybody know that her family, obviously there is a very thick and a heavy background of dance. It's like, they're trying to teach her to do, you know, the, the proper thing here at this school. She mm. just wants to fit in. And it turns out that with a little bit, a little bit, of help, she actually really is better than all the rest of them there. Yeah, um, and she has a background in dance, and it seems so odd that she's in the beginners group. Yeah, but well, flamenco and ballroom were so very different things, and sometimes yeah. they won't translate from one side to the other. So, yeah, she is really a good character. The one thing that I thought is a little strange, and I don't quite know. It's one of those questions you you have to ask, or you don't have to ask the movie, but I asked the movie, and the movie is just like, Dad, just watch. Shh, stop asking. <laughs> Was at the end, he's going to go and dance in the Pan Pacifics with Fran, and then Barry Fife shows up and sows the seeds of this fake story, his last chance of, of keeping, well, his next to last chance. Sadly, Wayne is his last chance. <laughs> um, wine. Um, and his bogo pogo. I'll go, no, you both on the one. Um is that um, we he, we don't see any scene. We assume he tells Fran, I can't dance with you at the last minute. We have to wonder, well, why don't you tell her why? She probably would understand. She might actually even admire him for giving up something that he would loved to help his family. I think she would probably very much understand that. Now, that being said, we have this great transition of where he's spinning and we go right from the studio into the Pan Pacifics. Yeah. And I would hate to lose that. But it's also like, well, why didn't you say something? Did you literally just like, I don't Well, he couldn't have texted or there wasn't any. Um, <laughs> but I kind of like that. I, I kind of like the fact that we just get a quick transition and that we don't see the heartbreak 
because it's so implied just in the gazes when she's in the beginner circle dancing with some other woman. Because obviously, Natalie. Natalie. That's the famous Natalie. That she, oh, that's yeah. Natalie. Okay, yeah. arms, Clary. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I just was. It was the one of the things that I thought. Uh, no, I don't, I don't. I don't think he did tell her. I think he was so crushed by what happened that he and he's already fallen in love with her. He doesn't know how to tell her, and that's mm. something that's very typical. Is that, oh, I don't know how to tell you, so I'm not going to. So I think mm. I think that's what happened. And it, to me, it didn't bother me because I think it was a necessary thing for them not to have spoken between. Um, in well, order to have that big blow up at the end where she finally gets to say, Hey, you think you're under a burden. Look what's happened to me all this time. Yeah. You know, and he still doesn't tell her. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it's, it is necessary for the plot. I don't know if I totally buy it. I also don't know if I care, but because we're doing this show and you know, everyone knows me as the guy who hates movies. <clears throat> um, I felt that I had to at least bring it up. So, yeah. No, I I hear you. It's it's some to me. Like I said, it's because it's it is a fairy tale, and it's not meant as a true realistic movie. That that was necessary for me, um, any more so than I thought it was her caving in at the end when he asked her to dance with him. I think to me, in that moment, she realizes that he finally gets it. Hmm. And she's okay with it for that. I mean, it's to me, it's different than something like um, you've got mail, which I hate with a passion. Okay. And I, I hate this movie because she gives in at the end and she gives up her dream because she's in love with him. Excuse me. What? I don't think so. Yeah. It sounds like my hatred for breakfast at Tiffany's. I hate that movie. Oh, there's a lot of people who hate that movie, but, um, and they should. Yeah. So, yeah, so for me, this was different. For me, Fran realized that he finally broke through and saw the world for what it was and who he was, and that's why she took him. And I think that's why her grandfather and father supported her in that. Otherwise, especially her her dad, do you think he would want him around if Mm -hmm. he didn't get it too? But he'd kill him. I have no doubt about that. Jeez. So, yeah, so the, the, that little transition, and it gave her the chance to ex- finally explode and say all of the things, that how hard she was hurting. And I think that helped. Mm. Yeah. So, again, oh, that's no. just me. I think that, no, I think that makes sense. And that uh, actually brings us, uh, I think, rather neatly to the wrap-up. Yes, that part. Mm-hmm. The Roundup. So, uh, <laughs> what you think? Do you like this movie or not? I don't know. It's, it's, it's all right. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. You know. Now, I think all of us like this movie. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yet. Yep, yep. Even old Sourpuss likes this movie. Yeah. Actually, I think uh, this is one of the best Disney movies ever made. <laughs> um, and that's, you know, it's, I'm being, you know, facetious, but I'm, it's true. This is a, this the story of this film is nothing new. It really isn't, but it's it really, really well told. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> See, I told you. Um, but it's it's so charmingly told. The right. characters, while occasionally have having moments of cardboardedness, which there needs to be a term for that, um, and there being very goofy parts and the throwaway um, documentary style. I don't understand why that comes and goes, but whatever. Yeah, talking it, of Michelangelo, uh, it. It's it's such a charming movie. 
Um, it is a, it's a very positive film, but we don't get many of those anymore. Oh, to me, it's a film that tells you, you can do whatever it is you're doing. This is a film that you watch right before you want to go do something like draw or paint or, um, go do improv or write a novel or something. Right. Max. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think this movie is adorable. I, I, I also, I really like Baz Luhrmann's techniques, uh, the part of the whole idea, it's not just, you know, the, the correctness versus the passion, but it's the herd mentality. Uh-huh. How everyone, you know, it's because everyone says the same stuff. They use the same phrases. So, it, so you know, the no news. One step. rotten egg. Yeah, one rotten egg. Everyone's asking the same questions. And I think what sums it up best is when Scott is yelling at Liz, what do you think of the steps? And she just says, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you summed it up. says. She, she doesn't care. She doesn't care about individuality. She doesn't care about the the actual quality. It's not acceptable. It's not what everyone else is doing. So she doesn't like it. And that's, you know, that's one side of the conflict. As Val said, correct versus the passionate. Yeah, I think Liz is headed right for the stun line. <laughs> She's going to end up back in the jacuzzi with Ken. Oh, the, the spa. Yeah. That's another thing I like. I love that you see that all these people have other jobs. Yeah. You know, they're not. They're not making money off of this because I don't think you do. And like that one, very top. The one champion is quitting because he's got to go deal with his landscaping business. Exactly. Yeah. You know? Nathan Stocky. Yeah, I think that's a great touch. Who, by the way, was a real ballroom dancer, and so was Tina Sparkle. Oh, really? Yeah, I hope that's were, not her real name. No, it's not her real name. <laughs> um, I can't think yeah, of what fun. it is off the top, but. Um, yeah, those two and the girl, the redheaded girl, mm-hmm. they're all real real ballroom dancers. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, it would be a remarkable coincidence to say, okay, we need actors who also happen to be expert ballroom dancers. <laughs> I, I imagine they're not thick on the ground. No. And I, you know, for people, they said the Paul McCurrier wasn't an actor. I think he does fine. He does I a decent too. job. But yeah. yeah, you can tell he's a dancer who is acting, not an actor who knows how to dance. Yeah, I just don't watch um, East of Eden. No, not East of, oh, out of Eden. Out of Eden. Out of Eden. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Part of that. Yeah. <laughs> that was his other big, actually his only big American film, and then he I would wisely went big. Well, it had Dan Aykroyd and uh, Rosie O'Donnell in it, so. Yeah. It was big-ish. Comment stands. Yeah. Yeah. So this is going to bring to an end our little mini-series. Hey, you didn't was- ask me if I liked it. We Max asked you first. Yeah. 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 You said meh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I so, love this movie. It will always be in my top three. It's just, to me, it's a perfect movie because it tells a story beginning, middle, and our characters arc beautifully. And all the side plots are tied in so nicely all the way to the end, which is so rare in an American film. That's why not I American. That's well, yeah, that's why it's, and it's it's nice. It it's is. nice. It's nice. <laughs> it is. It's a nice movie. Nobody dies. <laughs> Nobody blows up. Right. Uh, I mean, to be fair, you know, uh, Pam Shirt does break both her legs, but you know, right. it was but, for yeah, the cost of ballroom yeah. dancing. <laughs> Most of the people turn out to be fairly decent people under it all, except for Barry Fife and what's her name, his secretary slash uh, love doll. Her name is Charm. I don't know if they ever mention it in the movie, but that's her character name is Charm. Well, I think the little girl says, shame on you, Miss Charm. No, she says her last name, and I can't Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
So if you don't know this film, which you probably don't, Strictly Ballroom. Yeah. It is for rent probably fairly easy just about anywhere. If you're if you're looking for something to like take your head out of the current political mess or just you're not having a good day, throw it on. It's a nice movie. Mm-hmm. A rare nice movie. <laughs> it's worth seeing. Absolutely. So Val, Val, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Cool. You're now part of our show. Yep. Wow. And we get to make all the money off you. <laughs> you signed. Make all the work. <laughs> yeah. You get it. You get a 10% kickback from all of our profits. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. oh great. 10% of everything. <laughs> Key, keyword profits. Actually means you owe us money. Um, <laughs> yeah. But next week. Next week, we start a brand new series. And all we'll say about it is. Down, 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 more or less. Yeah. Kind yes. Of. Next week we start the new series. Get him, Jimmy. Yeah. Where Max and I will look at the best and the worst that Bond has to offer. Because what's more topical right now than James Bond? <laughs> Goldfinger. The <laughs> man with a Midas touch. Wow. Nice Shirley Bassey. <laughs> I can sort of do it like Catherine Hepburn. A spider's touch, Mister Honor. <laughs> Well, that's different. (laughs) So for more musical interpretations of James Bond, tune in next week. (laughs) Max Mike Movies is a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench.